When everyone's on the same page, getting things done at work is easy. Make a bigger impact at work with Grammarly. Grammarly is your secure AI writing partner that allows your team to make their point and move faster. You can even save time by going from spending hours editing drafts to just seconds. Join the 96% of Grammarly users that say it helps them craft more impactful writing. Sign up and download Grammarly for free at Grammarly.com slash podcast. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. So we're rolling. Today we are joined by Dawson Short. Yes, owner, sir. Owner and operator of Nacho Fish. Bring the whiskey and I bring the pot you bring the papers and I'll pour the shots it's so good to have good company for all the fucked up habits that I've got well thanks for coming on dude right on thanks for having me Chase um, so how dude that fish that I'm eating right now <laughs> <laughs> Tell me about it. Uh, just some yellowfin or bluefin, who knows, uh, pulled out of the freezer. Usually this time of the year, once I have some fish that I caught over the years, usually take it out instead of cooking it or anything, usually do some sort of smoke deal with it. Smoked it on the Traeger for about two and a half, two hours, 45 minutes or so. Um, prior to that, I brined it for about 24 hours. Um, that's a whole process of itself. We can discuss brining fish and whatnot for the smoker another time. But yeah, 180 degrees, about two and a half hours or so, give or take. Take it out and, I mean, you can do whatever you want with it. Smoke tuna melts, eat it just on a cracker, um, or even make smoke smoke tuna dip. You ever canned tuna? I have not. I've, I've eaten some canned tuna. I'm not the biggest fan of it. Um, I recently just know some some people that have been canning some tuna. It made me think about it. I'm like, man, I wonder, I wonder if Dawson's ever done that. I haven't. I know a lot of people that do. I mean, if you have um, enough of it and you're like, fuck, I don't know if I'm going to use it. Well, and that's what most guys will do. I mean, they'll come back from tr- a three-and-a-half-day trip with 15 yellowfin, six bluefin or something, and they got more fish than they know what to do with. So canning it, I mean, now you're preserving it for up to a year, and I think it even goes beyond that. Right. As far as I know, not to point out certain people, but it's definitely like the older generation that definitely cans it for the most part. That's something that, I mean, their moms taught them from pick canning pickles, which are canning cucumbers, which turns into pickles. Yeah. Canning onions, canning, I mean, just about everything to be able to preserve it through the winter time so that we have something to eat. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense if you're trying to keep it for a while. Yeah. For me... No thanks. I'll, I'll, I'll stick. I'll stick to smoking it. <laughs> I mean, that, whatever that is, yellowfin or bluefin, that shit's fucking good. Yeah, you bring it out of the smoker after it's been in the freezer for a little while. It kind of tastes the same for the most part. Yeah, man. When did you start working for the first time? First job. First. What age? Job, you know. I think first side job was probably me starting my fly tying business at. I want to say it was about 11, 10 or eleven years old, mm-hmm. right around there. May have been eleven and a half, closer to twelve. I don't know. Um, started that, got into the tackle shop I'm working at right now, part-time, Pacific Coast Bait and Tackle. Um, so I was selling flies to them, usually on about a two-week regular basis, dropping off around they, 100 flies or so. They have flies there? 
They were. So they were getting a lot of guys that would come in looking for like specific flies just to fish around here, Whoa. which I was mainly tying clouser minnows, which is pretty much what most guys will fish around here. You can fish it basically anywhere in the world. All the lagoons and the bays. Yeah. Lagoons. I mean, even guys trout fishing and stuff or salmon Salt fishing. Water. Exactly. It's just a different presentation, water, different colors. Um, so started doing that. But then at the age of 13, I started refing soccer. Um, so every Saturdays and Sundays I would ref soccer, whether it was one game, two games, usually it was about four to six or eight games, uh, per day. And that's when I started realizing what it kind of what it meant to work for your money. I mean, there was weekends where I was pulling away six, 800, 900 bucks as a 13 year old. Yeah, I think that's a good, a good job. I used to do it too. It was great. I mean, learning how to like speak to adults in a sense of like telling them, no, this is basically coming off to him as a dick you can't just do that so you have to learn how to kind of speak to him in a sense like you have authority so to say but in a very respectful manner mm -hmm. um whether that's you know i i understand you're older than me this is just how i saw it or whatever it was it taught me a very good life lesson i think that's kind of why now it's like all right you gotta you gotta work for what you want it's not just handed to you um so i i was doing refing for about three years or so and during that time, that's kind of when I started learning spotty fishing, going down to the lagoons, going to the local lakes, fishing trout. And now I was finally able to buy my own setups that were, I mean, nice setups. They would cost me basically a weekend's of worth of work. Mm -hmm. um, so that taught me a good life value lesson, I would say. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I did that as well. And, it, you know, you had to take the, the whole course and go through the class and pass the test and before you can even become that referee at least, at least i did where i when i was doing it no yeah exactly you had to get the like the certification yeah. and you understood like okay this meant something and online yeah, but class then you then got field to training work for your money and then you got to do what you're doing so was fishing always fishing like, was always something i mean i was second my dad picked me up from refing or whatever dad can i go home and shower real quick and you drop me off at the lagoon i mean it was like every single time for the most part I started getting heavily, heavily into the inshore stuff. I would say around nine, ten years old, because that's when I was going down with a bait caster in one hand and a fly rod in the other. So I was fishing the flies that I had been tying f since I was probably about yeah, right around that time I started fishing lagoons. About nine years old. Mm -hmm. um, so I was going down there with fly rod in one hand, bait caster another, and just learning kind of how to fish the waters that were less than two minute driving distance probably about a 20 minute walk or so just a bunch of rocks bunch of rocks a little bit of eelgrass stuff back in the day now the water it comes and goes there yeah. yeah for the most part they haven't dredged in a really really long time so on a low tide most of that lagoon does not have any water in it mm -hmm. now did you do anything other like sports or anything or is it just always fishing no i i played soccer for shit every probably since I was four years old. My parents put me into that. I played competitive soccer for, I think, two years. Baseball was my main sport. Uh, six years old, going into t-ball, then went elsewhere, come to 10 years old, start getting into travel ball and travel league and everything, going all over Timbuktu, playing baseball. Um, I think it was about the age of 14 or 15 that I was finally like, you know, I don't have summers anymore, dad. I want to go and fish. Mm -hmm. So that's really kind of when fishing took over my life. I ain't quit sports. I was still playing baseball on the side. I wasn't doing anything 
crazy or anything traveling for four-day tournaments or anything like that just kind of doing a little bit of rec ball here and there just to keep active but then fishing basically took over everything i want to say when i was 15 once i was 16 i mean i was never home i was going all over timbuktu and san diego whether it was freshwater saltwater going down to del mar fishing del mar then going inland to fish rancho santa fe ponds it's kind of all over the place once you had your car once i had my car yeah yeah when i turned 16 yeah when did you get start getting into more of the deep sea fishing deep sea stuff i want to say it was my first or second year of high school so when I was 15 or 16 or so, mm-hmm. that's kind of here in Southern California, 2015, 2014 is kind of when it started. 2015, we had an El Nino year, so super, super warm water, just brought up fishing we haven't seen in over 100 years here in our local waters. So that's kind of when I dove into it because it was easy. You drive out of the harbor for, I mean, two, three miles, which only in a small boat only takes maybe... 15 minutes on a good glassy day which most of those summer days were glassy days during that time of the year i mean you had yellowfin swarming the boat any bait you put in the water was getting bit it was it was unreal fishing at that time so i got really really hooked on that and that's kind of when years and years go on i just getting even more hooked oh i need a bigger fish i need a bigger fish um started working at the tackle shop later years in high school i want to say the end of my junior year And that's kind of when I started understanding more things, so to say. Mm -hmm. Um, So different reels, different rods, what rods meant for what, what lures are meant for what, if the wind's like this, what lures to use maybe. You just learn a lot more of the intricate values when you're kind of head over heels right into the scenario of fishing, what the offshore fishing is like. Inshore, you're getting questions asked from inshore to offshore to basically everything in between. So people come in, they actually, they, they talk about, uh, or they ask you questions there at the shop. So you probably have more of a need to like understand our area. Cause you want to actually give people some knowledge to an extent, right? To an extent. And most, so going into the shop, most of my knowledge was the inshore stuff. It was fishing spotties. It was fishing calicos, mm-hmm. it was fishing halibut in the lagoons, the bay, and then also fishing the local lakes. I basically knew nothing about the offshore stuff before. Yeah. I had caught. I think one yellow tail, a couple yellow fin or something. It was nothing. Um, and that was just beginner's luck right there. So I going into it, I knew nothing about what different rods and reels you wanted. What Like for 50 pound, if you want a single speed or a two-speed reel. Um, for those that don't know two-speed reel, you can drop it into a lower gear. Um, makes it easier on winding up a fish when it's straight up and down. Kind of like riding a bike up the hill. Mm-hmm. Um and I knew nothing about that. What reel to match on what rod when it's rated 30 to 50 pound and nothing. So just working there, I worked there for about four years. I'm back there right now because I'm in school. Um, but working there, I mean, that brought me so much knowledge in the fishing industry. And working enough there, you kind of retain so much information. And that's kind of where you, I would say, learn from an aspect of not actually doing everything that you tell people to do you you fish through friends i guess so to say mm-hmm. a lot of buddies will go out oh how'd it go well you know not good for these guys because they were doing this and i was doing this thing this day and it worked and i had 10 versus they only had two fish and then completely the opposite the next day so the ocean is like always changing for the most part of what those fish want to eat whether they're on 
pelagic red crab, anchovies, mackerel, sardines, squid, the little clear jellies that are floating on the surface as well. So there's always something that you got to change for your presentation. And that's what I learned a lot at the shop as well. Mm-hmm. And also talking to people. I learned a lot of guys that not only for fishing, but outside life that helped me like for nacho fish mm-hmm. guys that knew contacts that needed private events to be done. Oh, here's your guy, me, nacho fish. Um, and so they brought me a lot into that, which helped me in that job. Wasn't just fishing. It was a lot of like life aspect stuff too, that I learned from a lot of older gentlemen as well that had gone through that very successful business guys. Um, and I would always ask them those questions, get personal first and then go on to the fishing stuff. And they really kind of more relate to you in a sense, I feel like. Yeah. And every time I've gone in there, I've noticed there's always someone in there that's asking questions or, you know, they're, they're the, the guys behind the counter are chatting about what's going on that day. And, you know, Hey, are you going out? What, when are you going? You just come back. Did you go yesterday? You know, there's always someone talking about what happened at that time. So that, that, that shop is kind of like a hub. Yeah, it's a little community of like the fishing stuff For here sure. in Oceanside, but also Carlsbad and stuff. But I mean, Pacific Coast Bait and Tackle has been around for, I want to say, about 50 years or so. And oh, in really? That, yeah. And in that location that it's at right now, it's been there for approximately 30 years. So it's seen the guys that right now are the so-called older generation when they were kids growing up and learning yeah. everything. I didn't know that. So that type of that's kind of why it has that niche little kind of relationship group, I guess, so to say, mm-hmm. because you have guys that successful, non-successful, whatever it is, everyone coming in and everyone has the same thing to talk about fishing. How was your day fishing this day? Whatever it was. And that's the easiest conversation starter for everyone was talking about fishing. So it allowed you to get to know some of these, I guess, richer folks or more successful guys talking fishing is a lot easier than oh you're out at some convention or something and he's all up in his phone thinking he's all this that and what comes in out of the element and now you can actually get to know the guy for who he is right so that's something i took took from that which i greatly appreciate from that spot for sure oh yeah are you ever uh was there ever a time you were just doing more uh like freshwater bass or did, were you always kind of mixing it? Uh, up? Always kind of mixing it. I would say. I think it depends on the time of the month you ask me. Right. Usually, from late November, early December to like February or so, I'm pretty much strictly freshwater for the most part. There's a couple bay trips here and there that I'll do and whatnot, but I'm primarily mm. going out to the lakes to fish. Usually, bass now for me. I didn't always fish bass. About two years ago is when I started fishing more of that big swim bait stuff. Mm-hmm. I don't think the big swim baits were always around. No, but they've been around for good. I want to say f- 20 years or oh, so. Shit. The something bigger like ones? Yeah. Oh. Guys, I, I'm not one to talk about swim bait fishing. I've only done it very, very minuscule compared right. to a lot of people. And I don't know too much about it. I've had luck and I guess some call it success. I call it more luck, if anything. I've definitely had luck on them and it's, it's fun fishing it fishing in different types of ways and whatnot but no i i'm definitely not one to ask about when the swim bait stuff first started yeah because then you everyone has a different answer oh his grandpa started doing this in 1985 but his did it even earlier and what made you stop fly fishing i don't really have a good answer for that honestly no no i just kind of grew 
was it not not grew as grew out of it but it wasn't as convenient i guess so to say, say in a not, lot not as easy yeah it, in a lot of the spots when i started getting heavily into like nighttime spotty fishing and i'm fishing docks there was i mean there really was no application for fishing a fly rod because a lot of it was dropping down pylons or barely like flipping out in the dock slips mm-hmm. and there's just there's with the fly rod and stuff it just wasn't going to work, mm-hmm. especially at nighttime when you need some sort of movement or vibration or some sort of rattle or something for the fish to find it. I'm sure you could, but. No, oh, I'm sure. And I'm sure you could catch some on it. It takes a different. Chase may catch mm-hmm. one and then I'm over here catching <laughs> yeah. like 15 or something. Yeah, that's for sure. If you could, if you could only focus on one fish, like if you're like, dude, you're not allowed to catch any other fish, but this fish, what would it be? Spotted bay bass. Yeah. Yep. I agree. 100% spotties. And That's why? kind of my first little excursion in the saltwater. And that's what I that's what I learned right next to my house is how to fish the saltwater. And a lot of those applications applied for me offshore, fishing largemouth as well. Um, and you can fish them year-round. Can't always fish offshore year-round. Mm-hmm. And can't always... Uh, no, you can fish the lakes year-round, but it's not always good. For the most part, you can always find somewhere that's biting for spotties. And I know there's some largemouth guy out there telling right now that, oh, there's somewhere you can always catch largemouth. And there is, but... Yeah, I mean, you for, can do it the fucking lagoon yeah, over here. 100%. But for me, where I live right now, spotties. Because that's what I can easily and accessibly catch without having to go a all decent away inland and all over Timbuktu. Yeah, It is year-round, too. 100% it's year-round. Yeah, we go tomorrow. And always different bites every single time of the year. Fall, uh, wintertime, springtime, summertime, just like largemouth. I agree. I feel like that's my favorite, by far. They fight harder than largemouth, I'll tell you that. They do. A little 10-inch ten, so fish is, fights like probably yeah, Carlo, a three-pound largemouth. Carlos' first one, he's like, I did not expect it to be that small. I'm like, mm, yeah. Yep. yeah. Yeah, they fight quite hard. Oh, yeah. It's a good time. So you have methods of understanding the waters you're fishing um what is something that you did that like kind of for yourself made it easier to understand the areas and what what was biting at certain times and year the times of the year and what they're eating and is there anything you did other than talk to people fishing over 250 days a year just fishing yeah yeah you never wrote wrote anything down or nothing like oh I started fishing bad Iquitos. I have pages of notes. That's what I'm talking about. Pages of notes. Do I go back and look at that now? Uh, sometimes, but for the most part, I can kind of just tell the time of the year, what the weather's doing for the most part of like constantly, constantly fishing that spot over the years. Mm-hmm. But there are times that I'll go back, look at my little notebook. Some people are going to give me shit right now for writing down stuff, but whatever fuck you <laughs> is what it is. um yeah i'll go back and look at some of the notes what the moon phase was what the tides were maybe i never brought a thermometer to look and see like what the exact temperature of the water is but i'd feel it and kind of make a little oh, 67 to 69 or 60 to 62 um i would go back and look at that see if that correlated to it but really just after fishing so much in like certain spots i mean I'll go to a completely different spot trying to catch the same fish. I'm like, I, I don't know if this is going to be good at all, but I go to my spots that I've fished since I learned how to fish saltwater bass. 
I can look at it for the most part. I mean, there's definitely some underlying things that you can't see that are going on. But for the most part, I mean, if it's cloudy, sunny, what the tides are or anything, I can usually look at the water and be like, all right, yeah, it should be good. Mm -hmm. Or how the water's flowing. Right, depending on all the other factors. Right. Right. Okay, let's talk about nacho fish. Why were you smiling at me like that? That was a little creepy. Because it got really dead for a second. (laughs) (laughs) Let's talk about nacho nacho fish. Like, how did you get into that? When did you start preparing your own fish, cutting your own fish, like cooking, presenting? So cooking in general or cooking fish? Both. Uh, We can start with cooking. See, it started when I was young. Uh, Dad used to travel a lot for work. I'd get home from playing baseball or soccer. Didn't like my mom's cooking, so... Really? Didn't like my mom's cooking. She could only... Sorry, mom, if you hear this. You can only make a couple things in the oven. That's about it for the most part. Um, Mm. My dad's a big cook, so I I learned a lot, like, watching my dad when I was younger. Your dad would cook for you guys mostly. 100%. And And it still does. If he took off, you're like, I want that food. Either that or it's like, you either ask... You hope that your carpool on the way home is going to stop and maybe get Jack in the Box or something or like in and out or you get home and it's like, all right, pull up YouTube. Let's learn how to make a burger on the grill and let's learn how to make a steak on the grill. Let's learn how to. So I started out with the grill. So everything was cooked. So crazy. You had YouTube. Um, Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I had YouTube. Yes, I did, Chase. Um, Started learning that way and then just kind of dove into it more extenuated to making different pastas and stuff like that um the whole fish stuff didn't come until i started fishing offshore and i did not like sushi before that whoa first time i had sushi i think i was about nine years old in hawaii tried a piece of sushi luckily this was at a hotel with like a bunch of family friends and stuff like that it was like california roll or something no it definitely had raw fish in it for sure it was I took like two bites of it, ran straight for the toilet and just started throwing up. And all I remember is my dad just waiting right at the door, doorway right there when you walk in, just laughing his ass off with a beer in his hand. (laughs) And now he looks back on it like, damn, eat some weirder shit than I do now. What the fuck? (laughs) Yeah, but I mean, that's that's, that's pretty common though. A hundred percent. I didn't like a lot of things when I was younger, but now I love them. My kids eat your pokey bowls and... And I have commented on that so many times. They're just yeah. over there. They're like, can we have more fish, Dad? We still have some chips left over. Yeah. I'm like, who are these kids? We never like made it a big deal, the fact that they were eating sushi or any kind of raw fish. It's just like, this is food. You eat it. Do you like it? Yeah, okay, cool. Eat it. Right. It's like, I think people, a lot of times people are like, like that that moment you had with your parents in Hawaii, you're, they're probably like, <laughs> oh, you want the raw fish? You want the sushi? You right. know, no, like, yeah, they're all like, oh, you're not going to like talking it about it. Exactly. Yeah, as you already have this fucking bad connotation in your, con, 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 whatever. You have this bad thought in your mind about this fish, right? And you, and then you're like, they're, they're talking about the texture and they're talking about it in a bad way when really it's just fucking food, you know? And it's good food really it's we cultural always, stuff that's why too like we're so whitewashed over here in the states yes for the and most no part, though but of. it's just like you don't not have anymore can do that yeah not exactly. anymore i mean now there's i mean you got curry ramen places popping up everywhere pokey places popping up mm-hmm. everywhere it wasn't until i was probably a sophomore in high school until like people didn't look at pokey or raw fish as like ew that's nasty that you're eating that now all of a sudden 
everyone's like, oh, let's go and get a Poke Bowl. Poke for, Bowl. Yeah, yep. exactly. That's the new, like, hot thing. Yeah. But, I mean, for us, it's just we just didn't. We didn't push it on the kids as if it was weird. It was just like, hey, we enjoy this food. This is what we're eating for dinner. Here's your yeah, you here's it. your bowl. Do you want it? You know, like my daughter, the night before her birthday, we're like, where do you want to go for dinner? Maybe did like family photos. And she goes, I want to go to sushi. She's five years old. Wow. Let's go to sushi. I was like, fuck yeah, let's go to sushi. And they'll try pretty much anything, huh? And I'm like, no, we sat down. Like Christina dropped us off. We went and got a table. She parked. We get in there. We went to a sushi taisha, which I really enjoy. And they're like, uh, I'm like, what do you want? And he's like, I want a lemon roll and a California roll. I was like, do you really want a California roll? You're kind of like, we could get like some, something better, you know, like there's some, we can get some, someone else. She's like, she, uh, she just wants a California roll. But I mean, they'll eat my roll. They'll have like the salmon. They'll have sashimi. They'll have everything. They eat everything. Wow. I'm impressed. I, I am, I am too, but at the same time, I'm not because we just never made it a big deal. I think you also got lucky though, because I do no, I do know some, some friends that have kids and they never pushed it on them. I think it's always a mindset thing. Sometimes, but I think some people, shit, I, didn't, I know, I know I didn't people like your age, Chase, that still can't do textural stuff. Yeah, I didn't. I mean, I don't enjoy most octopus because oh, of the texture. That's my favorite. Because it's like the chewy like it's in my mouth for two it's like a steak that been cooked too much and you're fucking chewing then on you it. have not had good octopus what, i have had good octopus i do but wow. most of the time i have octopus i don't enjoy it because it is this like gummy chewy shit and it's like that it wasn't made right 100 percent, it wasn't i didn't it know should that not be gummy as long as i've been having it you know i've just didn't it wasn't until i think Gregor did it in the in the back here he fucking put it on the grill did he? And he did like a soft real quick and it was just like... Did he do that for one of your anniversary parties here or something? Was that the one no, we did? No, I think that was for a, a fantasy football league. Damn, I missed out. It was a, it was like a he did like surf and turf burritos and then just like oh. had some fucking octopus. You know how it is, you know? Oh, yeah. Craigie's got to go all yeah. out. <laughs> My boy Craig. Hey, Craigie, how's that trigger working? <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's, I don't know. I didn't always love sushi though either. You know, like... There was a time, I think my, my buddy Andrew was the first one that really like introduced me. He's like, we're going, you're going to sit down, you're going to, I'm going to, whatever I ordered, you're going to eat. I think the only thing that he didn't give me was uni. Oh, uni's a tough one. I, I still, uni's I've, a tough one. I have yet to eat it. It's I, good. I still have It's eaten. good, but it, I can hundred, even sometimes like, uni's, I've had bad uni though. That's sea urchin, like, right? Yeah, sea urchin. It, it can be bad. It A lot of the times, if you go to a place that... Doesn't yeah, do I've, it, right? I've had two servings of bad uni. And when you have bad uni, let me tell you, it's one of the nastiest, disgusting things to have in your mouth because it basically tastes like a giant snot or feels like a giant snot rocket in your mouth. Right. And then you add a disgusting flavor to it. Yeah, I'll throw it. Plus up. a smell that you can smell through tasting so it. I'd rather, I'd rather just not even try it because I don't want to have that at all. But we can also order it and I can tell you, that's it's good. good. That's true too. I, then I would have it because I think those two times I had it, I think I was a little drunk, so I was just like, "Oh, uni," just ate it. Mm -hmm. and even though, keep that in mind, I was drunk and I thought it was absolutely disgusting and I almost threw up. Yeah. So that's saying something. Yeah. Well, your taste buds do change as you drink. Hundred percent, they do. Yeah. Um, Jack in the Box taco sounds really good right yeah, now. Yeah, it does. <laughs> Not that we're drunk or anything. No. 
one beer. I think I. I don't. Sushi is a tough one though too because you look at our sushi; it's completely different than if you go to Japan or but if like, you get like a sashimi or a nigiri. You can tell the difference. Like I've had bad nigiri. Like I've had bad fish. Oh, 100 percent. You know that's instant. You know right away. A salmon. If a salmon's not right, you know. Yeah. And you can smell it too. Yeah. Even tuna as well. You can tell For just sure. by the color. For sure. Um, and they always do better at dinner than they do lunch. Like anywhere you go, it's like their lunch is like they don't give a fuck about you. It's probably just the fish from the day before or something. Yeah, it's exactly. It's fucking stupid. It's like That's I, why I I'm never go the to same sushi money. for lunch. <laughs> yeah, but I want sushi all the time. Start making it. I do rolls. I'll, if I'm gonna go for lunch, I'll just get rolls because then it's you're gonna you're gonna get better off because you got sauces that hide all the shitty fish. <laughs> you know I'm that right. Is such a shitty thing to say. You know I'm right. <laughs> You know I'm right though. I mean, yeah, you're definitely right. I I can't say I did not go out to get su- shitty sushi mm-hmm. just because I wanted a little bit of like sushi fix. Yeah, and it was very shitty. They just covered it up by all the sauces. One hundred percent. I swear, one of them had Italian dressing on it. No, <laughs> eel sauce, that spicy mayo, some bum ass oh, place man. in Tucson. Just temper the fuck out of it. It's oh, still wow. good. It, I mean, if you've you tempura that entire roll and throw it in the deep fry. I don't care what you put in it. Oh, yeah. It's going to be good. Yeah. 100% it's going to be good. Man. So I'm should we go back to the part of like when I started yeah. learning how to. Yeah. When did you start <laughs> learning how to. I just got into eating oh, sushi. Yeah. And... Oh, wow. Where are we going after this, Chase? Huh? Sushi? I'm down. I did it last <laughs> night. I'm so down. Sushi Taisho is right there, dude. Oh, wow. That or like Blue Ocean. Time. I'm way down. We got time. We're rolling. Okay, well, we'll get, let's get back to where. Yeah. You, when did you start? What What made you? Uh, like, so your mom's cooking's bad. Mom's cooking's <laughs> bad. Dad's cooking was good. That's Come home late from cooking. sports. But when did the fish? To, when did the fish thing? The fish start? started once I got into offshore fishing. Okay. Uh, so 2015. Okay. When I brought uh, my first yellowfin tuna home, did not taste good when I cooked it first. So all the other times after that, I just started. You cooked it. Cooked it and made pokey and stuff and like the whole, I wanted to learn how to do everything. I've always been watching videos of like doing all this sushi and pokey and whatnot. How did you cut it the first time? Because I know. Absolutely terrible. Yeah. That's what I want to hear. Butchered the shit out of it. I want to hear that. I probably left like two inches of meat on both sides when I was cutting it. Just didn't even go along the rib cage. Um, So so absolutely butchered it. And that pissed me off even more. Cleaning the fish. Yes. Cleaning it. Cleaning it. You butchered it. Brought it home, and head then, on everything, and then cleaned you did it. Butcher it then, then and then too. butchered it, and then butchered it when I. Uh, yeah. <laughs> the seared stuff was okay, but I didn't realize searing means only cook it for 15 to maybe 40 seconds aside, Bare- depending barely. on. Yeah, you're trying to sear it, not cook it. Yeah. So I cooked the entire thing all the way through, <laughs> made pokey. Oversalted the living shit out of it. Uh-huh. Everything was terrible. God awful. Seared, seared pokey. Seared steaks and pokey, pokey steaks. Okay. Both fucked them up. Completely terrible. Uh, and I don't think I went on another fishing trip until the next year. So I think that would bring us to 2016. So I started diving into it more. We'll fast forward to like 2019. 2019 started getting really, really into it. Started actually cutting my fish properly, not leaving too much meat on the bones, learning like good techniques, cleaning your knife. 
I'd cut off the head, cut off the tail and everything, make the whole process a lot easier. And that's when I started getting into like kind of making my own recipes, I guess. I started getting like a taste for like, oh, what can go with what? And so I started diving into making wonton chips because this is when pokey nachos kind of started getting popular. And so I was fiddling around for, I don't know, six months with the recipe or so. I want to go back to cutting it. Oh, gosh. Why do you want? I'm trying to avoid that. I know, but <laughs> I I struggle so much when I have a, a piece of fish. Like, you give, you've given me many, many fish. Yeah. Now, I'm, now I can cut a fish no problem, no matter Pl- what fish, fish it is. Um, but you've given me, like, I've got this, like, steak, right? And I've got it on the cutting board, and I look at it, and I'm like, I, to this day, I just don't feel like I'm cutting it right. Even if I cut it and it looks right, I feel like I'm doing it wrong. So in that aspect, what are you trying to cook though? So there's, so if I give you a loin, there's like a bunch of different sashimi, things you can do. If I'm you're doing, doing sashimi. Yes. That's usually how I do it. Like if you give me a fresh piece of tuna, say it's bluefin or, or if it, even yellowtail, right? Right. Uh, I'm usually going to do sashimi with it. You know, I might have like a, some rice and then I do like, I'll do pokey later though. Right. Like I'll do the sashimi with the peas and then the next day we'll do pokey. Yeah. The pokey. Eh, I don't really care about how it's cut as much. Yeah. Understandable. hundred percent. Yeah. yeah. But the sashimi, I feel like I fucking just can't get it right. I don't, I just doesn't feel right. So if you have, if you have the top loin, the top loins kind of, kind of go up into like a pyramid ish kind of shape. Kind of almost exactly. A yes. So at least for me and there's, I'm not a sushi expert or anything. This is just what I've done and the texture comes out I mean, right and everything. You've made enough plates for me to be like, you know what you're fucking doing in my eyes. Thank you. Maybe um, you just put a lot of sauces on it. <laughs> <laughs> not too much sauce. Not too much. Um, but usually I'll, I'll basically horizontally cut that first top piece that usually gets kind of a little bit mushy. It's not very firm. I'll horizontally cut that. I may use that for spicy tuna. I may even make like a easy little seared pokey out of that or something, or I'll do, I'll do something out of that. And then usually I'm going to cut down, uh, vertically. Yes. On both sides. Like, yes. And I take that piece off and now you're left with kind of like a blockish type of shape. Got it. So now you can cut down like one or two inch pieces. Make your piece. Exactly. And all those other smaller pieces that you have are used for other things in the recipe. Now does your grain matter? Like the way 100% it matters. That's That's the biggest thing of cutting, cutting, trying to cut against the grain is the biggest, biggest thing. Mm -hmm. So then you would cut straight down on that loin. You end up with like a super long, kind of rectangular cut for the most part and then you can take it from a corner and start slicing it against the grain and that's where you start getting some of your sashimi cuts mm-hmm. but even then you're going to trim off some of the outside little kind of flappy kind of pieces and usually i throw that all into a spicy tuna so you're throwing that in a bowl and then making a spicy tuna with it yeah yeah mash it up and then i've never made a Japanese. spicy tuna it's super easy i mean oh, basic that's... is just japanese mayo sriracha you can add a little scallion in there, a little oh. bit of garlic if you want, yeah, sesame we, oil. We need to go to sushi. That's sounding really good right now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, but that, see that that already like I've, I'm sure you fucking told me this before, but I'm, I'm I just I, every time I feel dumb. Um, it's just repetition. Yeah, 
That's all it is. Because I started fishing so much to where I had so much fish on hand. I was yeah, like, you, I you know, I can, right. I can fuck up as many times as I want for the most part until I get it right and learn off of that way. Mm-hmm. But then also YouTube, watching so many different videos, asking some of the restaurant chefs that came in at Pacific Coast Bait and Tackle where I was working. That's one of the things I took from that is I would ask them so, not so many questions, but I would ask them the simple ones that make a difference, so to say. Because you may have great sauces, you may have like great fresh toppings and some things that you can't get around these areas. But if you can't cut that fish properly it and it, it just falls apart when yeah. you're eating it for sashimi, What's I don't point? I don't care how good your sauces are. I mean it's it degrades it like so much more. Mm-hmm. So that cutting of the fish and cutting against the grain, like you said, makes a huge difference. Yeah. I still, yeah, the day I do it right, I'm going to call you and be like, dude, I did it. <laughs> and I'm going to jump up and joy. I'm going to show up on your front doorstep with a six pack. The knife matters too. hundred percent. It does. Yeah. I've gone through a lot of knives. Now I finally have a full like seven piece knife set that I'm happy with. Yeah. But I mean, you do it enough where it, yeah, it should matter. It does matter. Big yeah. time. Vape so when, uh, when did you first start to like realize you wanted to do the pop-up, like start your business? Like when you did it, did you think it was good? like, did you think of it as being a business or was it just like, I want to make food for people? I think I did see it as a business. Um, I, f- I didn't even honestly like know what the pop-up scene was about until about a year and a half prior of starting it when our buddy Matt Craig did started bur- his pop-up. Craig Burger. Exactly. So that August I started helping him. What would that be? That was during covid right 2021 like right at the end of it 2021 yeah 2021 he started that and so i started helping him basically every single event and then it got to the point where he had my pokey nachos as well and stuff we worked out well together he kind of started was like you should start something and i think it was when you asked me to do the anniversary party for good company over at culver Mm mm-hmm and I'm, we made all that food for you and everyone was super, super stoked off of it. And it started like kind of sinking in, uh, started getting tired of working at the tackle shop, wanted to do like my own thing, basically be my own boss, set my own schedule, do all my coordination for all my events. I do it all. Um, and it kind of started to sink in. I think February is finally where I'm like, all right, I'm going to do it. So this was February of this year and April, I basically had it up and running. I did my first tester at Culver at the end of April, and then I did one more like mid-May. And then school ended for me, and then I dove just straight into it. And I was doing events, one or two events, basically every single week for the most part. Mm-hmm. And then it, I want to say it like took off, but I started getting a regular, probably like two or three breweries or like, different companies a day asking me to do events and that's when i started realizing all right well either i take this to the next level or i'm only going to keep it at a minimum what am i going to do to take take it to the next level and all those thoughts just continuously swarm my mind and they still do because i'm still at the point where i can only do maybe two events every single week because of the prep and I'm doing all the prep and everything. I have guys helping me during the event, but then I'm doing all the cleaning and everything. So there's a huge time aspect into it. And it's the next step of what I'm trying to figure out to take it to, I guess, a, a full on business, so to say. Yeah. It was like, would you have other people cleaning and prepping 
How's that work? Like, who that, where, am are I going to Are you have buying my, fish in a different place? Are you, you know, that's that's really where, where it comes down to. Like, am I maybe going to rent out a restaurant's kitchen that are closed on this one day or something like that to be able to use their kitchen to maybe prep, to prep. that night and stuff? Yeah, it's that's well, the I, constant thing that I'm thinking right now. As a well. lot of those pop ups they have, like, so other burger companies, they own they rent a space, right. Or they co-rent with other people, and like the space is available at certain times for them to use it for prep preparation. And the ones that are killing it are the ones that have a space that they get to prep only in that spot. A hundred percent. They have but a full I, kitchen. They have, they have quite a few people, I believe, doing that as well, though. Yeah, they have people doing and that, and then they also have like multiple locations where they're popping up, and they have people working at each pop up, and, and they're not in school. <laughs> they're a little bit older than me, <laughs> so that's that's the hard part that I deal with right now. Is my main focus is school, but at the same time, I want to like blow this up and like. But there's also nothing wrong with doing this during the summer. No, and that's kind do of what your, it's. Do your pop up like. during the summer, like what you're not you're not losing your business by like, oh, you know what? We're only, yeah, we're we're during the summer. But people would be like, fuck yeah, it's, it's, everyone's still gonna. It want makes more fucking. of an urge, if anything, and I think people understand like, okay, he's doing it during summer, which also means this is when like the fresh fish is running. He knows his commercial buddies, and yeah, so that's can, gotten out there too, and everyone knows thing. like, all right, the guy making the food is also a fisherman himself, and he's not going to serve anything that he doesn't think is like not necessarily edible, but like worth paying like somewhat top dollar for stuff that was caught yeah. out in our local waters. It's also not called pokey nachos. It's called nacho fish. Right? I mean, you could, you True. could, you can easily have, um, well, and that's what I've every throughout the year. Like you can have different types of fish. Like you, you're capable of doing a lot of fish. hundred percent. I, I did a, like a, different Little types home of fish. event i guess so to say mm-hmm. where it was lobster steaks and homemade mashed potatoes homemade garlic bread oh, broiled broccoli and broiled vegetables um side salad as well or you're gonna do our christmas, the, you're gonna do our christmas the whole party 100 percent, and it doesn't need to be all fish as well i may do some other stuff too yeah we'll definitely have pokey nachos though don't worry yeah it's, it's still doable but like you're saying yeah. it is and it I think once this semester ends some as well, scallops, I'm not going to just have pokey nachos. Scallops. I'm probably also going to do like a lobster bisque since oh, I have lobster at the option right now. Since lobster season is open and I can buy lobster from mm-hmm. other vendors and other commercial buddies of mine. So that's always an option. Lobster tails, lobster bisque, lobster rolls. Um, I can do oysters as well main thing with with oysters i gotta hire another guy that's constantly sitting there shucking oysters so that's the main difficulty that i've found right now i don't want to hire other people and that's the thing is i like keeping it down to me and craig or me and my brother and sister or something like keeps the cost low and it definitely makes the paycheck a little nicer i'm not rich you know yeah i'm over here just trying to make a living to pay for my (laughs) school (laughs) (laughs) but yeah you have a knowledge of a lot of that where it comes seafood you got it you know like all around and i think that's yeah it, def- it definitely or not helps that's what allowed me to start this business i guess so to say mm-hmm. um and also knowing how to cut the fish because now i'm not leaving two inches or three inches of meat on the bone i mean you can see straight through the bone when i'm cutting a, a tuna or something I'm, you're using everything i i use everything mm-hmm. and it may not be used for a pop-up some of it I mean, like some of that bluefin toro belly, that's what I'll use for like a private home event. So mm-hmm. I may not use that for a public pop-up, let's say at Culver, where I'm serving 
three different pokey nachos, a ceviche, and maybe a grilled fish sandwich or something. I'm using some of those more high price stuff, I guess, so to say the the stuff I can't really use on the spot when I'm doing all these things with a small amount of crew. I'll use that for private home event or I'll use it for even personal use sometimes. Right. Did you do the spam masubi last time or was that? Yeah. Yeah. I did the spam masubis last time. um, Which speaking of tempura, we can always deep fry those babies in tempura too. Yep. By the way, everyone made me. Wow. Chase's uh, mouth just opened up to the ceiling. Pretty much when I said that. that. Yeah. You should do that. Yeah. Let's do that this year. (laughs) (laughs) Already making the menu month ahead. I mean, we have, you have so many options. Uh, so what's your next step? Um, school, are you going to change your job and never do nacho fish? Or are you going to continue with nacho fish? I feel like you can't get away from fish, dude. That's kind of your thing. I know that is my thing, but I don't know. Recently in my mind, I want to have a place here, but I also want to live somewhere else. So, like East Texas, Louisiana area, or maybe even montana or wyoming i want to have some like some land go out and do some shit go out and shoot guns go out and kill some pigs go out and fish trout fish some trout no way yeah i'd love fish and trout i love that stuff and i i think you're right i definitely can't get away from the ocean um but a part of me feels like just I forget how young you are sometimes so dawson's only 21 <laughs> for anyone if anyone that me. made through the podcast this much yeah i'm only 21 um yeah no part of me doesn't want to stay here my whole life so i don't know where nacho fish will go i think if i do it right i think i definitely could take it to the next point of Can having a brick and mortar do and nacho fish somewhere out of state if i franchise it <clears throat> like what are you getting here you um, do lake trout spam no. <laughs> so that's just what i was thinking but that's that's in the long run right now finished school got about a year and a half left um and i i'm not going to quit nacho fish i'm still going to do it this summer i have an event this friday um and then i'll probably do it when this semester's done i'll do it probably even more this summer because Pri- i figured it out a private that, event yeah private event this friday um but my chips will last at least two months in a completely sealed container, it'll last. Per- they'll last perfectly fine. So I'll start looking into getting that kitchen or something like that to be able to make so many more chips to allow me to do maybe three events a week or something mm. because that'll allow me to get a hundred pound fish from a buddy, cut that all down, and I can use that for all my events that week. You can also have people working your events while you're not there too, if you trust them. Spread that's the, it, that's the next out. thing. That's the next thing is finding some guys that I can trust to run it. A couple tents. A couple tents. But l- let's just focus on one right now and trying to get it all I I just, I just laid out. But yeah, yeah, no, 100%. I, I mean, way. I think about that on the daily, but I'm just trying to focus on like, all right. Perfecting. Got to perfect this. Get maybe 10 menu items down that we can always rearrange and change out. Get your menu uh, written out better. But yeah. <laughs> Yeah, 100%. Yeah, that, that's one that we struggle with right now. Still, Anyone that I'm knows gonna, how to write it. a menu very well, I'm just gonna do let it me you. know. Because just to put in perspective, the pokey nachos have, I don't know, 13 some odd things that go on it. So it gets very confusing when you try to write it out. You just need like at the bottom, it says this is what's in everything. 
and then at the and each one it goes this is what's special right that's all it is so one part that says everything well i did that on the top and then down below i said hot bite and straight hooked and straight hook has avocado tobiko hot bite has mango and habanero that's it but everyone was still like uh what's the difference between the pokey nachos and they didn't read like because i had all nachos include dot 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 and it laid out okay pokey wonton chips the onion cilantro and blah blah, everything else do you have to list everything like i mean i have to list the cilantro probably because some people can't eat cilantro cilantro because it tastes like soap but do people go like can i not get cilantro yeah i've had a couple i feel like you just go this is what you get you get pokey nachos fixins you and then they can ask what the fixins are is that annoying too maybe i don't know i don't know either but i'm also thinking sometimes i have my brother running the register if i had craiger running the register all the time oh 100 i could just put oh pokey nachos comes with the fixins two types mango habanero avocado to be the flying fish thing exactly um and that's easy because a lot of the time when I'll do Kreger burger, like we may not have the full menu right there. People are going to ask questions and I'm there's, running to the register. And I can easily lay out a way okay, to this. do it. There's a way to do it. There's gotta be. And it's not that big a deal when you do have it written out twice. It's just like, it's just unnecessary. It is. And it takes up a lot of my board when I have six menu items on there and now I'm trying to cram everything into it. And then it just feels crammed. Maybe you should just be in and out, dude. Maybe I should be just fucking make burgers. Oh, I mean, Hey, in and out doesn't even say they put special sauce on their they burger, so no. doesn't matter. There's only one way I found out I didn't like it. You but ate that was it. when I was younger. Now I love it. But that's what I'm talking about. It's like this is fucking pokey nachos. It has fixins. If you don't like the fixins, then ask what the fixins are. I like it. That's what I think. Like, I like it. The difference between the two is yeah, this I just one's put fucking normal with the fickin, this fixins. Thicken with the fickins. Fickins. <laughs> but the top one just be fucking normal, and it has this fish. This one has this fish, and then we add this fish, and we add hot fucking peppers that are going to make your butthole hurt. Exactly. And that's it. And they do. Let me tell you, they do. Yeah, they do every time. I love them so much, though. <laughs> like that. What were, the the one, what were those ones that- The Fresno chilies. Yeah, those came on late. Yes, and that they do. But they taste good. That's the, so They taste good. so good. But they- So good. Oh, I want those. Some right of them now. have such a gnarly. I have some right there in the bag, right there. Oh, really? I do. Oh, shit. <laughs> but that's for the event that's this Friday. Yeah, so. the event. Yeah. Yeah, those are but, good, dude. Yeah, I'll see where this summer takes me. And I think once I start getting closer to school winding down, is when I'll kind of have a better understanding or maybe better judgment of what I want to take this to mm-hmm. and what I want to see have happen with it. I mean, right now, it's definitely not dying by any means. That's for sure. It's just the what do I want to do next and how much more time do I want to put into it? I mean, the worst that happens is you're over it and then you just make chips and sell them to pokey places. Yeah. I, and that's why you thought that's what that. I'm trying to think about right now is, like, Oh, shut up. I have something with my chips. That's what, I mean, there's guys that there's very good sushi restaurants that do pokey nachos and I'm sorry, but mine are way better and it's my chips. So I want to figure out a way to brand those out. I mean, and even Hennessy's does them. Yeah, but not as good as mine. No, but they're they're good. Yeah, but it's not as good as my chips. I don't order it, but they're good. Do they season their chips? No, I, I, you have better chips than most people. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna disagree with that. Like I agree with you. Obviously, I wouldn't have you on here right now. <laughs> <laughs> like I like your nachos. I fucking I am gonna be. Like, 
I think that's you amazing. Want right now. Yeah, I do. I think they're great. I think they're amazing. I tell everyone about them. Um, Thank you. Hey, I have to say, I I do all the shit I'm talking on your gener- <laughs> your generation or whatever. I'm I, not part of them. I'm what do we not call? Part what do you them. what do you call it? Generation? Yeah. Like What's our generation? Your your age your age right now. I know I'm I'm talking a little shit on your work ethic. <laughs> not my work ethic. Your age is work ethic. Yes. There we go. Um. The cool part is that you are 21 years old. Yes. And you have figured out what you want to do, whether or not you're going to school or whatever right now, but you've kind of shown some initiative to like a business mindset and what you're doing. Like it's, that's pretty fucking cool, dude. Thank you. And I do, I do think it is. If you fucking continue with this, do your school and then continue doing the summer shit. Summer, do the fucking nacho fish, dude. And I, I swear if you continue and you just buckle fucking down and continue with it, you were going to do something good with it. You already are. I agree. It's going to be good. Thank you. Yeah, I think maybe when I'm done with college, just like buckling down, doing that for like a year straight of like just constant events, getting my name out there, growing my following, getting it all legit and whatnot, I think it could definitely go... And, and brick and mortar would is something that I feel like you should always have on the on the back end, but it's it's possible. And I think if you worked for it, it would be it would be fucking cool. And I don't know, let's see where it goes. And yeah, yeah, we got I got some time. I just like business owner. I like the whole owning a business and and working for it. That's and, nice working for yourself, being yeah. able to open up the doors at good company at whatever hour you want to do a podcast or something. And yeah throw a little party in the back or whatever it is yeah mm-hmm. that's what i strive for for sure yeah it's just uh yeah i'm i'm proud of you dude thank you yeah you're doing good i appreciate it means a lot i think uh i think it's time for sushi huh yeah let's go get some sushi next round sodinator will be back yeah thanks for coming on thanks sodi just kidding no, <laughs> thanks thank <James>. you <laughs> for coming on <laughs> Bring the papers And I'll pour the shots It's so good to have good company For all the fucked up habits that I got